ships a cakewalk. If we're behind them, never mind, we'll fight and fight and kill the good old colony. Welcome to AFLW One-Eyed Tigers and Pies, the podcast where we explore all things AFLW, so long as they're black and white or yellow and black. I'm Tony, and I'm a one-eyed Richmond fan. And I'm Alexandra, and I'm a one-eyed Collingwood fan. I was going to introduce this segment by saying that we're not the experts everybody might think we are because we're both being beaten by my dog in the footy tipping. But then you had a really, really good footy tipping week, and you're ahead of him. That's right. Well, I've discovered that I know nothing about footy tipping, so my tipping technique clearly involves I make all the selections I think that are going to happen and then I randomly change two of them. And uh, it's working for me, clearly, because I'm now outsmarting a dog with that approach. I'm not even going to talk about what my strategy is because it's not working because I'm second last. And we're both still a long way behind Dad, who obviously knows more about what's going on than either of us. Well, clearly, he probably listens to a high-quality podcast is all I can think. My, My dog, Captain tips the Bulldogs every week, and that's not working out very well for him. No. He had a good season last season, though. He did. He did. Uh, Anyway, um, it's a weird week. It is. I mean, yeah, no one attending the games, everyone just watching. Um, The talk of what do we actually do for football? Yes. Um, So I'm not sure if you've caught up with the news, but Gil McLaughlin has announced tonight that the men's season – will be reduced to 17 rounds. That's at this stage. They think it's likely to be more than that. But can you guess why they chose 17 rounds as the number that it's being reduced to? Well, I've been a huge fan of 17-week seasons for a long while because at least you get to play everyone once. And over a two-year cycle, you can do home and away and the fixture is no longer a total fix. It will just become a draw and it'll be fair. Crazy. Crazy. Play everybody once. I mean, wouldn't that be – that would be a dream. That would be an absolute dream. I have a suggestion for Gil and for what he could do um, when he needs to reduce it below 17 rounds, which I suspect he probably will. Um, I think they should have a conference system and they could have nine teams in each conference and they could have a nine-week season where they get to play each of the other teams once, each of the other teams in their conference once, and then they could have a three-week final series and the top three teams in each competition play off. And I think that would be a really fair way to go about it, don't you? I, I think it's a nice idea. I reckon you may have trouble forming a proper ladder. Well, I think that could be a real concern. Yeah, and I suspect there'd be an awful lot of pushback from people who'd just say that's ridiculous and it doesn't count as a proper season and yeah. and they probably would try and strike it off the record. You're not actually a real premier if you won in that season. Yeah, though the other thing you do is you may have a bunch of free weeks, so maybe we could use that t- for spare time to extend the AFLW season. Oh, we could do that. Wouldn't that be great? <laughs> Look, we might be getting into a rant early here and this isn't going to be the rant for this week, but I also want to say – the, the way that male players and female players are being treated in this situation is fundamentally different because the women all have jobs, so they can't isolate them. So, um, Yeah, like the, the, women... the risk profile of a, a woman and a man playing AFL is very different. The men can stay at home, go to training, stay at home, go to training and, and isolate themselves to one group. Yet women can't do that because they're exposed to so many different people from all the different jobs. The men have all been guaranteed planes. Virgin's going to fly them on their own if they have to fly to play this weekend. The women were still on commercial flights and there's been no effort made to put them on commercial flights. 
And I kind of understand that because of the risk profile and they're not isolated. But it's just another example of how women are discriminated against in AFL. Right. And that wasn't the rant. Don't worry, it's coming. Not the rant. No, the rant's still coming. That's just a little mini rant to start off the podcast. Let's start by talking about what happened on the weekend. Richmond versus St Kilda, what a game. Yeah, so actually speaking of that, uh, we got feedback from a fan of ours, Vanessa, who said, uh, could you please, when you post this one, uh, tell her what time the rant actually starts? Because as a Richmond supporter, she absolutely doesn't want to talk or hear about Richmond. And then the worst thing possible is to sit through that and then hear about Collingwood winning. So she said, just tell me when the rant starts. That's all I want to hear. Do you think it's possible we're going to stop talking about football and just rant, Tone? Well, let's face it, I think we're better at ranting than we are talking about football. (laughs) We're certainly not very expert. Come on, you're going to have to talk about Richmond. Tell us what happened with Richmond. I'll I'll tell the listeners in case they've been living under a rock, Richmond failed to score a goal. And uh, I don't care what level of team you play for, if you fail to score a goal, that was not a good day. It was not a good day. Yes, we failed to score a goal. It's the first time Richmond's done that since, I believe, 1961, uh, which also was against St Kilda, interestingly. So, yeah, not a good day. I'm actually going to not really talk about the game because uh, I don't think there's much to pull out of it, but what I want to talk about is perhaps the list Richmond's put together. We've seen six games now and we've seen we're really not up to the standard We're absolutely not up to the standard of the year three clubs, but even St Kilda's a year one club as well. And that kind of performance is just really, really disappointing. And what I see is I think we've recruited the wrong kinds of players. And the example I want to use for that is Sabrina Frederick. So two years ago, Alexander, if I said to you, Sabrina Frederick, what would your first thoughts or comments have been? She's a superstar. Yeah. I thought so as well, whereas now she looks slow. Now, whether that's the club or whether I wonder whether actually women's football is moving uh, to a different place. And the best teams have, we're seeing they have a depth in that running skilled midfielders. So it's a running uh, and and really incredible foot skills. Sabrina has, is a fantastic contested mark, but she's not particularly athletic and she's also not particularly skilled with the ball on the ground. And to be honest, she's starting to, she looks slow out there compared to everyone else. I suspect that you may be right. The game has moved on so significantly. If you've been listening to me in the last few podcasts, I keep saying, saying Steph Chochi's having her best game ever mm-hmm. um, because she's actually improving like I feel like she is improving the whole time. Um, she was one of our foundation players and she was an absolute legend and a superstar in year one and she's getting better all the time and she has to because the game is moving on and so anybody who stays still it's not going to be there. Yeah, so staying still isn't good enough but also I think the type of game is changing right now. Is mm-hmm. Previously, if you were strong enough, you could dominate at this level and I, th- I think maybe because the standard around her was not as good. Now that standard's really good and if, you, yeah, if you're not keeping up or you just don't have enough strings to your bow, you're going to look like you, you no longer belong at AFLW level. I also would like to point to some of the recruits that Richmond recruited from other clubs. And I'll just call out a few people who we recruited and 
how they've performed versus pre their recruitment. So Holly Whitford played at Collingwood. She averaged four possessions a game at Collingwood in AFLW and 4.7 at Richmond. Hannah Birchall played for Geelong, averaging eight possessions, and now it's six at Richmond. Laura Bailey averaged six possessions at the Bulldogs and six at Richmond. Lauren Tesserero averaged eight at Collingwood and five at Richmond. So we recruited people who weren't performing up to the really high-quality AFLW level, and we know that that level is increasing. Why are we expecting that these women were actually going to be the ones who are going to take us to the next level? So I'm, I'm sure the girls are trying their heart out, but I question our recruiting philosophy. That's probably quite fair. Mm. Tell me more. Yeah, well, we actually did find a couple of people who did improve. I mean, uh, McCourt and Monaghan are recruits from other clubs who are absolutely playing better football with uh, the Tigers than with other clubs. I would say the only upside long-term is some of the, the women in the side who um, have been are there, they're very young. There's a lot of 18 and 19-year-olds out there at the moment, Cincinnati, Miller, Molin, Wood, Jacks, and, of course, Conti's only 20. So we have some very young players who potentially have that ability to grow um, as they're going to need to into the game. Um, Grace Campbell, Elise Edmonds, Cody Jacks, they look like they'll be AFLW footballers. So we've got a very, very small core to build around, but I think it's going to be a long build and I really think the recruiting team and the coach need to look pretty hard at their recruiting philosophy because I think AFLW is a different competition to the kind of squad they've built for. So I hear you, Tone, and it's really tough when your team is losing as badly as yours is at the moment. But I do want to say that Tigers supporters do have a bit of a history of knifing coaches and staff in the back as soon as something goes wrong. And I would hate to see that happen with the AFLW team because there is an element of, well, somebody has to be the worst and it was always going to be one of the new entry sides. And you are building a team with a lot of very good young players. And I think you do have a future. It's just, it's not going to happen this year. You might just have to sit with it for a bit. Yeah, look, and I'm not calling for second coaches or chicken manure at uh, Punt Road. Um, what I'm calling for, is, and I think we have evidence in uh, in Richmond that we're willing to stick with people if they're willing to learn and grow, like Hardwick uh, with the men. Uh, and so I just, putting it out to them, I think you really need to realise that the, the plan is not working. You need to learn from it. You need to grow. You need to get better. I would also point out Hardwick lost his first nine games. So, you know, Tom Hunter's still got some way to go to get there. Good. Um, wonder if Richmond will be listening and uh, pick up their recruiting. We won't know that until the season's over and we – I don't even know when they do the draft. It's yeah, not until it's towards the end of the year. Huh. the end be... of the year, is it? Yeah. Okay. All right, let's move on to talk about much more exciting things, Collingwood versus Brisbane. Uh, sorry. <laughs> This was a really good win. This was a really solid win. Um, Collingwood was brilliant. They were hard at the ball. They were fast for the most part. Um, there were a couple of moments where I was they were sort of slowing things down and someone would take the ball with 50 metres spare and turn around and like in the back line and not run on and that was frustrating me a little bit. Do you think that was a deliberate uh, tactic? Maybe. 
I've, I found it interesting because that was particularly in the third quarter. We were we were fast and furious in the first half, mm-hmm. and we kept. Uh, this is terrible, and I'm not a details person, and I don't have the results in front of me. But I'm pretty sure we kept Brisbane goalless. Yes, they were goalless. They scored one point to half time, which is fantastic defence. Yeah, it's okay. thank you. I've got the data for you. You've got the data. Thanks, Tone. Um, so we we kept them goalless. We were hard. We were fast. We were furious. And then the third quarter, um, it got much, much more stagnant and we, we sort of stopped running and was still hard and fierce, but it just, I found it really, really frustrating. And it's interesting, um, Chloe Malloy was interviewed after the game and she said that the third quarter was their best quarter and that was what she was most proud of because they weathered the storm and... I found that really interesting, the the way we see things very differently up in the stands. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I guess out of the field they know that, you know, sometimes the opposition play really, really well and, you know, you can do your best to negate them, but sometimes the team's just playing well against you. Yeah. They know that. So in the – in the must have been the fourth quarter and I was – texting dad um, about what was going on and I texted him to say uh, we just need to play on like we've got to get our running game back again and as I said that Steph Ciocci grabbed the um, grabbed the ball at halfback um, dodged someone ran, ran on kicked it forward to um, Sarah who took it passed it back to her ran on again it was just it was this Sarah and Steph play that sort of went the entire length of the ground and resulted in a goal. And I was like, whoo, that is amazing. That's what I wanted. And um, it was it was just beautiful. I loved yeah, it. So the, the stats would say that, that you actually played a lot of that footy. Um, 47 uncontested marks to 27. That that tells me that you actually did a lot of running into space. Yes. Yeah, we, we did. Um, and it was probably just the third quarter that I found frustrating. And you know when you find something frustrating, it feels like it happened the whole time? Yeah, I'll wait, wait for my data rant. <laughs> um, so it was, a, it was a really good win and Brisbane are a very good team. Um, and so I do just want to point out that we've pushed Fremantle, who's clearly the best at the moment, we pushed Fremantle to be very, very close, could have won that match easily. We've beaten Carlton, we've beaten Brisbane, um, and we lost to Melbourne in what I'm now choosing to believe was an anomaly um, after coming back from the, a short turnaround time after the road trip to Perth. Um, so I think we're looking pretty good again. I'm back onto us being premiers if we ever get to play the whole season um, and play finals. Yeah, so it's good to know that um, you're clearly in second place in the Conference A ladder. <laughs> well, we're actually fourth in the Conference B ladder. Again, having this text conversation with Dad, um, he wanted Melbourne to beat Carlton because our percentage is better than Carlton and that w- that way we would have ended up third. Um, Carlton won. I actually think this is the best case scenario for this because Carlton and Melbourne play Fremantle in the next two weeks. And I'm going to presume that they both lose to Fremantle, in which case our percentage will still be better than Carlton's and we'll be ahead of them and we will be a game clear of Melbourne. So we'll end up second. That's very optimistic. I know. I like it. That's my theory and that's what I'm going with. Uh, so yeah, we're, we're actually out of finals contention if the finals were to be played next week, but we've got another two weeks to go and, uh, I think we'll be there. We'll be good. Uh, Britt Benici 
um, stood up. Jamie Lambert was tagged, very, very tight, tough tag, still managed to get 16 um, disposals and topped our tackle count with six tackles. Um, so with Jamie Lambert, you wouldn't exactly say um, out of the game because she was still very much in the game, but she wasn't her usual starring self. self. Britt stepped up um, and had a, a legendary game. She's just got that ability to be where the ball is about to be and not have anyone with her. So that's a that's a really like if you if you were going to have one magic skill or one superpower, that's a good superpower to have, and she's nailing it. So, uh, and Sarah Darcy in the forward line, she just took legendary mark after legendary mark. It was great. And she kicked one goal four. So, <laughs> well, I will say that uh, bad kicking is bad football. So five thirteen, yeah, could have done a lot better. While we're talking about scoring, I will actually talk about my bold prediction for last week, which was that it would be a goal fest that we'd have more than one hundred and twenty points in total at Collingwood and Brisbane, and there was a goal fest this week, but it wasn't by Collingwood. So Doggies and Frio, with 117 points between them, beat the previous best AFLW total score of 116. So it was a goal fest. I just had the wrong teams doing it. Collingwood kicked five goals and 13 behinds. So they had 18 scoring shots. If they'd reversed that and kicked 13 goals and five behinds, they would have scored 78 points. So they'd have done their part in the goal fest. Right. I still don't think that counts as a win, but anyway. But having said that, my prediction was that uh, Taylor Starr will triple her season goal tally um, and seeing as no one from Richmond kicked a goal, I'm not too optimistic. But (laughs) I will say, go out on a limb, and this week Taylor Starr will triple her points tally. (laughs) What's her points tally? I don't know. I haven't even looked. (laughs) How bad can it be? Uh, why, uh, why do we do these predictions? We're rubbish. I, I think you're more rubbish than me. Uh, oh, dear. Are you seriously going with a bold prediction of Taylor Stahl tripling her points, I, I just invented it. I was going to go with someone, anyone will kick a bloody goal. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, my bold prediction for the week is that um, fans will break into Victoria Park to watch Collingwood versus St Kilda. Wow. That is a bold prediction, except are there actually any fences at Victoria Park anymore? Yeah, they put up um, they put up like temporary security fencing um, in order to bag check people who come in to watch the AFLW. Oh, okay. So they've got this temporary security fencing, which is, let's be honest, not that hard to get around. So just can I check, are you planning to be one of those fans? No comment. Okay. <laughs> uh, so I think, like, Collingwood fans are pretty rabid and um, Victoria Park is not that hard to break into. And last week we were in Brisbane, so you didn't see it. But I reckon at Victoria Park, pies on a roll, um, yeah, we'll see the fans breaking in. All right, let's see. Yeah. So I think it's time for your rant Oh, excellent. What do we make have for note, this week? Make a note of the time so we can let um, uh, Vanessa know what time we're starting the rant. Okay, so I've actually got a listener rant. Oh, um, fantastic. Yeah. yeah, Charles put me onto this and at the moment he said it, I went, 
You know, that's really true and that makes a great rant. So Charles said how frustrating he found it when he was watching Channel 7. Um, He was watching the AFLW on Channel 7 and the things that they were advertising, the Channel 7 shows that they were advertising um, were completely inappropriate for an audience of people who are watching um, AFLW. Um, things like, I'm just going to read some titles to you because I think that'll give you an indication of the sorts of shows they were advertising. Axe Men, Blokes World, The Bogan Hunters, Counting Cars, Dipper's Backyard Barbecue Wars, Outback Truckers. And then this is my favourite series of things because I had no idea there were this many shows about fishing. But Big Angry Fish, Fishy Business, Merv Hughes Fishing, Marty Marg Berg's Fishing Addiction, My Fishing Place, and Aussie Lobster Men. There, that's like seven different shows about fishing. Aussie Lobster Men sounds a lot like a stripper. Cl- <laughs> so so just, to, just to put it out there, though, are you absolutely sure? Like, let's face it, advertisers know what they're talking about. Are you absolutely sure that women aren't going – yeah, man, this is you, – you've got two assumptions going on. One, women aren't interested in blokes' world. And two, that women are watching the AFLW, not men. Nope, I'm I'm not making either of those assumptions because I know that women aren't interested in blokes' world. I know that for a fact. Well, let's turn it around because if I was to look at those uh, equip, female equivalent shows, I reckon I might watch Axe Women or Woman's World or The Sheila Hunters. You know, like that sounds kind of interesting. Oh my god. <laughs> Am I related to you? <laughs> I, I probably still wouldn't watch Big Angry Fish. <laughs> oh god, and I like fishing. I'm still not going to watch Big Angry Fish or Aussie Lobster Men. <laughs> So I think the, the simple answer to this is if you see an ad that looks vastly out of place, perhaps you're not the target market. Yes, indeed. So I, I'm going to I'm I'm absolutely making some assumptions here, but the fact that women might like these shows is not one of them. Um, the assumptions that I'm making, and look, I'm not an investigative journalist. Maybe we need you know someone from the outer sanctum to to listen to the pod and pick this up and do a proper article on it. I'm just here to rant, and my assumptions that I'm making are. Twofold. I think there's two possible reasons why Channel 7 are doing this stupid advertising um, during the AFLW. The first one is um, that they have a middle-aged white man in charge of their advertising business who genuinely has no idea and hasn't grasped the fact that women's football is not attracting the same audience. So I'm not going to say, I'm not trying to say it's just women who are watching it. I'm just saying it's an audience of people who are not necessarily after bang and crash, blokey, traditional sports type of um, of coverage. And the second option that I have is that they don't have anything else to a- advertise, like that that's all Channel 7 does is blokey shows. That sounds uh, about right. Surely there's dancing with someone on there or some kind uh, of cooking show. I don't know. Yeah. You you would think there would have to be, but I'm actually looking through, um, yeah, looking through the sorts of shows that they have on generally, and I suspect they just don't have a very good range. Um, and both of those things really shit me. Yeah. 
Mm. Oh, sorry, Mum. I said shit. <laughs> so that's my rant. It's only a little rant, but um, just Channel 7, get over yourself. Mm. All right, Tony, it's time for your nerd rant. You're okay. actually going to have some data, yes? I've actually got some data here because uh, I was getting quite irritated, I would say, about the amount of bloody free kicks that get given against us every time. And I thought this cannot be normal. Uh, so I think I had a free kick rant already about how many free kicks are given out. But even so, I, I felt unfair. So I actually went and took a look at the data and said, well, you know, how many free kicks go for us and how many free kicks go against us? And I found something interesting. Richmond is indeed an outlier. Right. Really? Yeah, and so I'm happy to put up my highly scientific graphs on there. So if you look, first of all, there's a graph called freeze for and freeze against. The average free kicks in a game is 107. And what you're looking for is particular outliers. So on one axis is people who get a lot of freeze for, one axis people get a lot of freeze against. You'd expect them to cluster together, and generally they do. There's one team that gets significantly fewer freeze for, but what you find in freeze against with a total of 140 against a league average of 107 is Richmond. We give away, on average, about 25% more free kicks than the average of every other club. And in case you're wondering, Collingwood is smack bang on the average in terms of free kicks. So I also said, well, okay, that may be just, is it deserved or is there something else going on? So the other thing I did is I also graphed them against tackles. And I said, if we're giving away a lot of free kicks, it might be just we don't have the ball a lot, which I know is true. And therefore, maybe we're tackling a lot and giving away a lot of free kicks. So the other graph I've made is tackles versus freeze against. And if you look at that graph, you can see there's actually a pretty even spread. The average is around about 350 tackles total for the team. And Richmond's smack bang in the middle for tackles. We're not over or under, but we still give away way more freeze. And you can see on that graph, the, one, the dot at the top is Richmond. We're really, really anomalous. So... I think this, again, comes back to a question for the coach. Why is it technique? Is it game plan? There's clearly something odd going on is we get about the same amount of free kicks as everyone else, but we give away way more and we're not doing significantly more tackling than anyone else. Wow. So this is not a rant about the umpires hate you. This is a rant about something's wrong with our process because we give away so many frees. Exactly. My theory would have been if the umpires hate us, then they wouldn't give us free kicks. But they actually do give us a lot of free kicks. They just award a lot against us as well. Actually, maybe it comes back to how are we going about training people how to tackle and how to not give away those free kicks. Okay. All right. Well, we'll put those graphs up when we've put some color codes on so we or, or labels or something so we know who everybody is. Um, and, you know, listeners, feel free to have your own say on this. I'm sure you, you'll see your own team on there and be able to um, have a comment as to whether you think the umpires hate you as well. All right. And so just a final segment I started last week, and I have to say it's not a segment that's going well so far. I started Duffy Handball Watch. This week in an absolute score fest, she had a very disappointing three kicks and two handballs and shared it around far too much and only took one shot at goal. So Duffy, come on, step up. This was a goal fest. You should have been taking way more shots at goal. That's really very disappointing. I mean, yeah, yeah we'll, we'll have to have words. You, did you get her dad's phone number when you were sitting next to her last week? <laughs> no, no, and I guess I won't see him at the game for a while yet. Anyway, going to any games this weekend? I don't think anybody's going to any games no. this weekend, well, Except for you, Asterix, right? 
breaking I'm, into I'm... Vic Park? <laughs> yes, apart from Victoria Park where we're not allowed in, so nobody will be trying to break into Victoria Park, will they, this weekend? No worries. Well, I will self-isolate on the couch and self-medicate with a glass of wine. Have a lovely weekend. I do hope that you, um, your tags kick a goal. Wow. How the mighty have fallen, hey? <laughs> and we'll talk to you next week, Tone. Yeah, next week indeed. Go Tigers. Go Pies.